0: is a good day for us to be together we do life together one of the values that we share here at Christ Journey so wherever you're making your connection we pray that this day you would feel the strength of our togetherness in God and I would like to invite you to join me in a prayer for me today may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O Lord my rock and redeemer And helpful to your people. If you join me in this prayer, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. And to all of you who are joining us there from your home or your computer or wherever, we're praying God's blessing and connection for you. How many games have you seen, how many football games have you seen where the team is down into the first half and uh, they head into the locker room and come out in the second playing and looking like a different team entirely, you know. they, They come back and they win the game probably enough to know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, the first half, the coaches have been studying the game, studying the opposition, and then something happens at halftime. You know this. They're strategizing. They, um, they're closing gaps. They're making coverage. They're introducing play changes that are needed. And the next thing you know, the team takes the field, makes the adjustments, turns the tide, and wins the game. You've seen it happen, haven't you? The competition doesn't collapse. Sometimes it even intensifies in the second half. Back and forth in the game, you know, the the drama is high. The points are turning back and forth in the game. Sometimes it even ends in an overtime. But in the end, your team wins. Something happened. Why? Something happened at halftime. Something happened in the locker room. Something happened uh, to the team that they decide together to give attention to the coach's focus, to the coach's leadership, and the coach's correction. Something happened that changes the outcome of the game. Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is like that. It's like a halftime talk with Jesus and his churches. The churches of the first century... Way back when, the churches of the 21st century, these are all real churches that are being addressed with real issues in real time, but those real churches full of real people like us are still facing the similar and familiar issues today in our time. Real churches, but also representative churches of all churches. So, by the end of the first century, in fact, let's just enter into the scenario there. When the letter was written, when Revelation was written down, the end of the first century, the Christian movement had spread across the Roman Empire. It's about 95 AD. The second or third generation of Christianity is now on the move. And um, the Apostle John is the only one of the original 12 apostles that's still alive persecution has slammed the movement. With Nero, who crucified Peter and beheaded Paul, Nero, the same Nero who blames Christians for burning Rome, maybe you've heard that story, was actually using believers' bodies as human torches to light the city. The persecution was hard. And later, Emperor Domitian, in the 90s AD, has now demanded to be worshipped as Lord, as God. The Roman emperor, you will now worship me as your God. And so John doesn't do that. He gets exiled to Patmos, where he receives the visions of the revelation and is told to write them down. A new generation of leaders has risen to succeed the apostles And expectations are really high that Jesus Christ could come back at any time. And so John tells us that Christ has told us, yes, indeed, he is coming. But there are more battles to be waged in the process. It's like D-Day has already landed on Normandy Beach. Golgotha was Normandy spiritually. And God has invaded the enemy territory, broken the enemy's back, and now the turn of the tide is upon us. But the battle still rages. The war's not over. The game is still on. It requires vigilance and diligence for believers to become overcomers in face of the challenge at hand. And chapters 2 and 3 of the Revelation are... uh, Are giving us the Lord's perspectives on that. Our spiritual coach is preparing us for what is yet to come. And he does it with commendations, with corrections. He also says there are negatives to avoid, there are positives to pursue, and then there's a charge. In each of the seven churches, there's a charge that Jesus wants his church to prevail, to overcome before the end and in the end. But it's not take it for granted. There's something that needs to be done. Seven times, in fact, the Lord uses a form of the Greek word Nike. You know that word, Nike? We think it's a shoe. The Greek word actually means victory or overcoming. And it's used seven times as he addresses the seven churches. So, Why does Jesus approach this church, this church scenario with such intensity and such clarity in this book? Because he knows what it takes to develop believers into overcomers, and he knows what it takes to win. And that's his commitment. So we will stay on track, and we will win. So I can tell you with conviction in truth that this new year, whatever else is going on in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your business, in your health, in your finances, in your relationships, whatever's going on in your walk with God, I can tell you this, God has you on your Christ journey to become an overcomer with him and his church. Christ is coming again. But as he does, and before he does, hard times are coming This is the letter. The vision of chapter 1 ends with the risen Christ now standing among the seven golden lampstands. Jesus is with his churches. He is standing with his church. And then it says that he has seven stars in his hands. And then it tells us that the stars are the angels, the messengers of the churches. So what's the meaning? What's the message? What's he trying to say to us? Well, come what what may, whatever comes. Chapter one ends by saying, Hey, whatever the other chapters hold, come what may, Jesus Christ is with us and he is holding us secure. That's God's part in our overcoming. But in chapters two and three, we learn what our part is in responding. What's our part? To stand with him. He's standing with us. We will stand with him and stay in his hands. How? By following his coaching and making the corrections needed. Halftime talk. And so now to help us give God our full attention, I'm going to invite you once again to stand as I read Revelation chapter 2, the first four churches of the vision. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the uh, the seven stars in his right hand, And he walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance, that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen and repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You have the practice. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has hears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the victorious. Nike. That's the word right there. I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Verse 8. To the angel of the church in Smyrna. Right. These are the words of him who is first and last, who died, who came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, and yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. These, the one who, are, who is victorious, Nike, Nike will not be hurt at all by the second death. Verse 12, the angel of the church in Pergamum write, these are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, and yet you remain true to my name, and you did not renounce your faith in me, not even in days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city. Where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and they committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore. Otherwise, I will soon come to you, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth, whoever has ears. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches and to the one who is victorious. Nike. I will give some of the hidden manna, and I also will give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Verse 18, to the church in Thyatira, write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, your perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she's unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of their ways. to hold on to what you have until I come to the one who is victorious, Nike, and does my will to the end. I will give authority over the nations that that one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them into pieces like pottery just as I have received authority from my father. I will also give them the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Please be seated. And please, Lord, give us ears to understand what you're trying to say to us, what you're trying to say to the churches and to our church. And first, as we seek to answer that, let's remember that this is highly stylized writing We talked about this in our first message. It's writing in symbolic language, and let's use that to resist jumping to conclusions of a literal nature about images and extreme figures of speech from the first century in apocalyptic language. That's got to be said as we make our way through the Revelation. Remember, it's written in a kind of code that they understood and used in that time, but is totally foreign to our time. So in order to understand it, we got to understand some of the code. Like, for instance, there are so many references reaching back to ancient Hebrew Scripture stories like Balaam and Balak and Jezebel. You heard those names, right? They would know those stories. The, the Nicolaitans, who are they? Um, and... Uh, and so many references. So I got to tell you that it's not my purpose here today to try to drill down into the details of those references. The notes that you have in the New International Version of the Life Application Study Bible. Some of you have already shown me that you picked up a copy. Those notes, you're going to love those notes because they're going to expand. Exposit. They're going to open your understanding to what scholars see those symbols meaning. So I'm not going to try. to do, We're going to make not a 30,000-foot uh, flyover, but neither are we going to go ground level and try to understand all those individually. What we are going to do is uh, some summarizing of the central lesson given to each church, the negatives to avoid, the positives to pursue, the charge to to get charged up about on the how to overcome. And so we're going to stay at about helicopter height so we can see what's happening on the ground and then we can have opportunity to join in. And I hope that's what you'll do. So here we start. Ephesus, central lesson. Return to your first love, your Jesus love. It's all about love. And let me tell you, you did not lose that love. You left it. He said you forsook it. Choices were made that took you away from the fire of your hot love that was first identifying your faith. You, maybe you got distracted, you, got, you drifted. You know that happens in the Christian life. Disruption, disappointments, disturbances happen that uh, try to hijack our mind's attention and our heart's affection. But they only succeed when choices are made to align That direction. So Jesus is saying, hey, you know, you left your first love. You made choices that took you away, and now you need to make choices that are going to bring you back. So be aware. First love requires first priority. What does that mean? You got to be aware of the distance that is Occurring between you and the Lord. Distance is the negative to avoid. The practice to pursue or the positive to pursue is first love. In order for love to become first, you've got to give it first priority to experience. And so the distance is close the distance. Repent. of. He says there are three R's that you can do to do this. First, remember. Consider how far you've fallen. What was it like when you first began? And remember. Allow your memory to wrap around that. And then he says return. Repent. Return. You've got you to gotta make a turn. You're going that direction. You've got to turn and go the other direction. And then he says, repeat. You've got to do the things that you were doing when you were fanning the fire of your first love. Smyrna, this is your lesson. Are, are you the church of Ephesus needing that lesson? Well, here's Smyrna's lesson. Central lesson, don't be afraid. You're going through a time of testing. He says the time of testing are here. And slander comes with it. And persecution is coming your way, and even death in first century it was death. He said, You're gonna suffer persecution, you're gonna suffer this for ten days. Now remember, this is symbolic language. Symbolic, the number 10, what I've understood about this is that it represents a rounding off, a rounding up. And so he's not saying, oh, it'll never end. He's saying, no, it'll end in a a well-rounded time, but it's not over yet. So don't be afraid. As you face this, what's the positive to pursue? The crown of life that comes to the faithful. Be faithful when it's your time of testing. Now, how do you get there? Well, Smyrna at the time was famous for its athletic games. And Jesus is saying, just focus on the prize, not the pain, just like athletes do in your city. Athletes know how to do this. If you do that, stay focused and faithful, For me, then you will overcome, even if you die trying. Even if you die trying. You know, we're all on our way out. He's saying this is worth giving your life for. Pergamum. Central lesson. Stay true. What's the negative to avoid? Things that tempt you to compromise your integrity, that are chipping away at your integrity like Balaam and Balak and the Nicolaitans, those were all known for seducing Israel into spiritual and moral compromise. Sexual and spiritual adultery, idolatry. So avoid those negatives and then pursue the positive. What is that? Stay true. Stay true to your God. Stay true to your best self. Stay true to your identity in him. That little talk about that white stone, the name that's on the white stone, Who you give the authority to name you is the one from whom you get your identity. And so he's saying, find your identity in me. How are you going to do that? Vigilance and diligence. You never quit. You know, Gronkowski was asked after the Bucs' phenomenal comeback against the Jets. We love to see the Jets lose, by the way. But um, when when the Bucs made that comeback, the interviewer said to him, how did you do that? And his response was very short. He just said, you play all four quarters, all 60 minutes, the full 60 minutes. And it's the same in your spiritual life. How do you become an overcomer? You just don't quit. If you're in it to win it, then uh, it's always too soon to quit. That's the message to the church in Pergamum. Is that your message today? Thyatira, central lesson, keep pure. What's the negative to avoid? Contamination by Jezebel, a self-declared false prophet who is misleading people into sexual immorality and spiritual compromise. And she is so calloused, her heart has become so hard that Jesus says only intense shock treatment is her opportunity to turn. Shock and suffering is coming her way in a way that she will feel it deeply. He says, you know, you gotta, you got to let Jezebel go. Verse 27, hold on to what you have until I come. That's the way to keep pure. If you're facing the challenge of Thyatira, you got to let those that are misleading you, you got to turn them loose. And you've got to hold on to what Jesus has given you so that you won't go astray. You know, in the same game that the Buccaneers won by their staying power and by staying focused as a team, like Gronk said, there was another player, a receiver on the team, who stripped his jersey off mid-game, threw his pads down, and then ran off the field as if to say, not my team, not my game, I'm out of here, and literally left the field. Now, there was a lot more going on at the time, I'm sure, but the coach cut him from the team. You know what Jesus is saying? To stay true is the secret to staying in the game. Stay true to who you are, to your team, to your coach, and that's how you overcome. Keep pure and you'll overcome. So I'll tell you, you know, I don't know how this, is this making sense to you as we talk it through here? It's like a moth drawn to a flame. The fire is hot and it's this, is, this truth is hot, but I want some more of it. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me now as we read together Revelation chapter 3. And Even even joining us at home, I mean, get off the couch, listen to what John heard from Jesus that he was supposed to write down for the churches, and maybe we'll see ourselves here. To the angel of the church of Sardis, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard and hold it fast. Repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious, Nike, will be like them, dressed in white. And I will never blot their name out of the book of life but will acknowledge the name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verse 7, to the angel of Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. And I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have a little strength. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews but they're not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you since you've kept my command to endure patiently. I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, Nike, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verse 14, the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the Amen. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say... I am rich and I have acquired wealth and I don't need a thing, but you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can. Cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come and eat with that person and they with me. To the one victorious, Nike, I will give the right to sit with me on the throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. Quickly now. Sardis, is that where you're living today? Central lesson, wake up. Wake up. Hey, wake up. Wake up. This is a church that's stuck in its past. It's riding a reputation that no longer gives life. What's the negative to avoid? Thinking that you can drift upstream. Drifters never go upstream. Always the other way. The positive to pursue, you got to intentionalize your spiritual life. If you want to be vibrant in the spirit, moving upstream, then how do you do it? Like a salmon? <laughs> you intentionally fuel all of your energy to head that direction with God. Daily walking close to Christ. Now, it's obvious to everybody who travels with people who are doing that, that we're under construction. We don't have it all together yet, but we're swimming the right direction and staying clean and white in him as our clothing. There's the symbol. It's like don't leave home without being appropriately dressed in Christ who is your righteousness. Philadelphia. Central lesson. Hold on. Is that where you are today? Man. I just got to keep holding on. What's the negative to avoid? Missing your door of opportunity. God has opened a door before you this brand new year, and you're at risk of missing it. Why? Because you're not holding on you're letting go of the wrong things. You need to hold on to the right things, and then God will take you into it. What's the positive to pursue? you got to walk through that door. you gotta, You got to stay obedient. How do you do it? You stay obedient. So your strength is small, he says. Your strength is small. you got enough strength to take the next step and go through that door if you obey me. As you patiently endure, God will establish your future in him. And then you got this, whammo, this, this this whammy of identity blessing. He says, the name of my God is going to be on you. The name of God's city is going to be on you. And I'm going to put my new name on you. It's like, man, your identity is secure in eternity because you've learned the secret of obedience that you got to hold on. Laodicea. Central lesson, get serious. I mean, what are you really doing? What are you really doing here? get serious. What's the negative to avoid? Vacillating in your relationship with God, treating it like it's a slinky, you know, like you're toying around. Hey, on Sunday, I'm all about you, Jesus. On Friday, and not so much. During Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, not so much. He's saying, yeah, I see your deeds. I know what's going on here. Do you, do you know what's seen? Believing that the worldly wealth is going to make you rich. He says, it's not. It's not true. That's the negative to avoid. What's the positive to pursue? Personal dependence upon Christ. How am I supposed to do it? I'm supposed to spend my life resources on what matters most. Jesus says, buy from me. Buy from me the gold that's refined in the fire. Not the kind of stuff that's going to burn up in a fire, but the kind of stuff you get from me that is going to stand the fire through eternity. And then he says, and always give me a seat at your table. You know, I'm standing at your door right now saying, can I come in? If you let me in, we'll just sit down together at the table right now. Jesus, welcome at your table every day. Here's the irony. This is his own church. Jesus is standing on the porch of his church saying, is anybody in there listening? I'd like to come in too. Laodicea, get serious. Do any of those negatives look familiar? Because I'm telling you, these are real churches full of real believers who are fighting real battles, spiritual battles. Do those negatives look familiar? Yeah, that's the kind of spiritual battles we all face. We all fight. But victory is a real option. Seven times, Coach Jesus says, Nike, I'm telling you this so that you can make a correction in your halftime moment and the second half does not have to be like the first. So here's the question for today. Is this a second half moment for you? Are you in halftime right now? Is the coach trying to give you some insight so that you'll know what to do next so that your future will be different from your past? Then I want to say to you, listen to the coach. It's his church. And you got. If, if victory is what you want, you got to want it. And listen to your coach and make the adjustments and then apply yourself to it. I relate to this, you know, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for the courts above to stay close. I got to hit the reset button every day. This is the opportunity Jesus is giving his church, he's giving you. Hit the reset button. Is this a reset button day for you to avoid the negative, to pursue the positive? What are the positives? Let's remember them one more time. Here they are. Return to your first love from your heart. Don't be afraid. Stay true. Keep pure. Wake up. Hold on. Get serious. Your spiritual coach wants you to overcome, and that's why he's making it clear to you as you listen to what the Spirit is saying to you. Is Nike what you want? Victory overcoming? And listen to me. Just do it. <laughs> right? Do what? Here it is. You can join me in this prayer and do what Jesus tells you to do. Would you look at it with me? Lord, and matter of fact, let's read it out loud together, could we? Lord, if you made me to reign in victory with you, I will settle for nothing less than that. As you stand with me, I am standing with you to avoid the negatives and pursue the positives in my life. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Lead on, O King Eternal. My life is in your hands. Would you bow with me as we pray? That prayer voices the need and cry of your heart. Would you offer it to God now in your own words? Thank you for standing with me, Lord, and I am here to stand with you today to keep my life stayed in your hands, to make the corrections I need to make. What is he saying to you? Then do what he says, just just do it. And friend, if you're on the front end of your spiritual journey and you would say, well, I really don't have a lot to return to yet. Well, then this is a prayer for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for caring about me, for loving me, for bringing the chance to overcome to me. And I receive your death on the cross and invite you to forgive my sins, cleanse me, free me today. I receive your resurrection from the dead as my power source for life. Come into my life, Holy Spirit, and now lead me as I seek to follow Christ, as I turn from my way and learn to go his way. Lord, I pray that you would have your way in me. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps, would you just Lift your hand and hold it high for a moment. And if you're joining us, wherever you're joining us online, would you just enter the chat and let us know. We're praying with you and for you now. Yes, thank you. I see hands raised in the room. Thank you, thank you. In the back, in the front, on the aisle, to my left. God bless you. Here in the front, God bless you. Lord Jesus, for every person who by raised hand is saying, my heart is open and taking the step of faith today to invite your forgiveness and your fullness into their life. We pray that right now you would let them know by the peace that you are placing in them that you are with them and will never leave. And we make this prayer in your name.